thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Shift Worker with your host, Audra Starkey. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audrey Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24-7. Today we're going to be talking all about becoming a healthy shift worker, which is kind of forms the whole main uh, reason why I have actually been running these podcasts and bringing the topics uh, to the program that I have um, been doing over the past 90-something episodes. So, um, But in order to actually talk about this particular topic, I've brought on uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Roger Sutherland, who is a, has been a shift-working policeman for over 35 years, uh, performing various roles within the police force, um, in particular 17 years of which was as a police dog handler, uh, working twilight and night shifts. Roger is also a father of two children, uh, a son who is a triple zero call taker uh, and a daughter who is a sworn police member. And, her, and his partner um, is also a police radio dispatcher. So an incredible uh, emergency services shift working family um, that uh, Roger is a part of. So I can't wait to kind of, um, you know, really talk about uh, this particular topic with uh, Roger and, and hear what he's uh, up to. So on that note, um, I'd like to give a warm and friendly healthy shift worker welcome to Roger. Hello. Hi, Audra. How are you? Great, great. Thank you so much for joining me um, this morning. And I'm, as I'm reading through those, you know, your whole family is a shift worker and also a part of the emergency services. It's quite extraordinary. <laughs> It's incredible. It, it really is. It's a truly humbling. Thing. Well, first of all, thanks very much for having me on your uh, podcast. It's a, it's been um, I've been quite excited to get on and have a have a chat with you about it. Um, we've we've communicated a lot in the background over the journey because I found you through my own journey of what I want to do. But um, having a son who's a shift worker, a daughter who's a shift worker, my partner who's a shift worker, and I've been doing it for thirty five years as well. We've been able to swap and share an awful lot in relation to that. So it's uh, mm. it, it's been, and we're all pulling towards a common goal, of course, in the emergency services, which has been um, an amazing experience for me to see them all come through. Mm. It's just, I mean, I, 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 we do hear of it happening. I mean, even uh, in so far as my background in aviation, we're married couples and pilots and, you know, sons and daughters. But I think for the fact that there's three and, and including yourself makes four uh, a part of the, uh, your sort of family, it is, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Oh, there's no doubt about it. It shows that I've obviously done it reasonably well as well because they haven't considered me the, the grumpy old man and they've followed in my footsteps. Yeah, so, so, so that's worked pretty well for me as well, I think. So uh, something that they've, want, they've wanted to do and they followed on. Yeah, that's a very good point, very good point because we know we can become a little bit tired and grumpy um, from lack of sleep, <laughs> that's for sure. No doubt about that at all. And now they're starting to understand why. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, I guess um, before we get into the topic of, yeah, sort of becoming that healthy shift worker or the best version of you whilst working uh, the hours that we do, I'd really like to um, hear a little bit of a background about yourself, Roger, like what led you to actually, uh, you know, become working in the police force? Was it something that you had always aspired to do? 
Uh, yeah, it was. Um, I, I think it goes way back, Audra. It's it's kind of funny in a way, but uh, I remember my mother gave me a, a light blue shirt at two years of age, and it instantly became my policeman shirt. And, and I used to wear it as a two-year-old walk around, and I was the two-year-old policeman that used to boss everyone around at that stage. And as ironic as it is, it, it never waned through my whole life. I was always going to be a policeman. Um, I went through schooling. I was going to be a policeman. Um, at 16 years of age, I actually applied because in Victoria we had the, uh, the police cadets. I applied to become a police cadet, and I was accepted. Uh, and I was due to start not long before I started, the government, the Victorian government actually abolished the cadets. I was lost. I didn't know what I was going to do then. So I remember speaking to sworn members. They told me to go and get a job where you actually deal with people, talk to people, customer service. Mm-hmm. And I ended up working in a supermarket at that stage. Um, so, yeah, I fulfilled that, working with people. And, you know, the customer's always right, as you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then, anyway... But, when I was uh, 18 and a half, at the first possible opportunity that I got, I, I then applied for the police. Uh, I went through an exhausting process back then. Uh, this is back in 1984. It was an exhausting process to get through, and I finally became a sworn policeman and fulfilled my dream at the age of 20. Mm. Wow. I can't believe that little two-year-old with the blue T-shirt at your police shirt. That is, wow, that's a pretty cute story. <laughs> that you well, were- That little... Sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, like, but two-year-old thinking about police, like, did you have a relative or a family member that was a police officer that, that you could sort of put that connection two and two no, together? No, I didn't. Yeah. I had nothing. There was yeah. no history in our family in any way whatsoever. Wow. My mum and dad were um, uh, first-generation Australians, came from the UK. Yeah. And so there was no, there was no, nothing Nothing police orientated. Wow. I was just infatuated with it, and it was something that once I got my light blue shirt, I was the policeman, and it was my policeman's shirt, and that's that's pretty much where it stayed. <laughs> that, yeah, that's how it went. That's just brilliant. Yeah, amazing, amazing, amazing story. And and I can imagine. So has the um, when you were saying it was actually really quite a ruthless and exhausting process to kind of get accepted. Um, is it as in it kind of takes six months? Was it a six-month process to sort of be accepted or is that what you mean? 18 months. It took me 18 mm. months to go through the whole process. Okay. I applied as soon as I was allowed to. At that stage in Victoria, you had to be 18 and a half or you had right. to have your HSC, which I, I didn't have. Gotcha. So at 18 and a half, I um, uh, applied and it took me right up until um, I was, well, 18 months before I actually started. So it was, yeah, it was exhausting. It was long and involved, frustrating wait, going through each and every individual state. But it was, it was, I was ecstatic when I got the letter. I've still got my letters. I've still got, <laughs> 36 years later, I've got every step letter all the way through. Wow. So yeah, I, 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 they take pride of place. They're treasured. Wow. I love it. And that's great. Well, obviously having been a shift worker for, for so many years, no doubt you would have struggled with your health over time. I'd really like to um, hear about your shift working journey in in that sort of side of things, um, I guess, yeah, when, when you kind of first started. Well, I, I worked, I was always, you know, just the person that just turned up and just did the job and everything was fine. Through my 40s, when after probably 20, 25 odd years, for some reason, um, I, I suddenly got, I was crippled with pain through my hip area. 
Now, when I say crippled, I mean like I was really crippled. Um, I, I could hardly walk. There was times when I would pull up to events that I could hardly get out of the car or walk at the car. And at the time, I was a, a police dog handler. So I was fit, but I was crippled with this pain and I couldn't work out why. Um, I had a severe attack one day uh, of this pain and I ended up crawling literally to the doctor's surgery and I was uh, diagnosed with a form of what's known as ankylosing spondylitis. Now, I had uh, a form of that which is sacroiliitis, which is, for people that aren't aware, it's it's in your pelvis, you've actually got sacral sacro joints, mm-hmm. uh, the sacral, and I got inflammation in that area. It's genetic, unfortunately, um, but the, the inflammation that you get in that area there is absolutely debilitating. Is that the right word? And it's, it is unbelievably painful. Uh, and, and stops you from putting any pressure on your legs at all. Um, so I researched the, um, uh, the the condition. I was referred to a rheumatologist, to a, uh, a, a highly treatalist, who told me that I had to take anti-inflammatories for the rest of my life. Well, I said, I'm not taking anti-inflammatories for the rest of my life. Um, and he, I, I went, I took them for three months. I went back to see him because it wasn't any better. He just upped the dose. So I said, well, what's this doing to my gut health? What is this doing to my gut? Uh, because I was starting to become a bit more mindful in relation to that, but I just wanted the pain to go away. Um, he just upped the dose and he said, oh, I'll just give you pills to, to cope with that as well. So I then went off and researched. I didn't want to be that person taking that and I didn't want to be damaging my, uh, my gut health. So I went off and researched and the best form seemed to be to do um, get movement into the area as get as much movement as I could. Um, and so what I did was I started going to a gym and I learned that by opening up your hips and getting all of that movement into that area there, it actually prevented the inflammation, kept me moving, kept my joints lubricated and kept me working, um, kept me moving and moving really, really well. And so I would just push through the pain of you know walking lunges and I would be doing split squats and front foot elevated and rear foot elevated and I'd be doing goblet squats and doing things like that. Nothing heavy, just kept moving, 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 moving. Well, in 2013, I stopped taking the anti-inflammatories and I've been pain-free ever since. Um, so the method of just getting the movement in, you've just got to push through and just keep going. Um, so I just kept going and kept going and kept going with that. And that's pretty much where my journey in fitness started, Audra. And that's probably somewhere in the order of about six years ago, six okay. to seven years ago. So I wasn't I wasn't 50. So mm. I started late. So there's no excuse for people to not be able to start younger. Mm. That's amazing. It's Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate, though, that a lot of, um, uh, I guess, uh, where we do tend to sort of change or steer us into a different direction is when we do get really sick like that um, before necessarily changing their behaviour. And I'm not saying that, um, you know, you were doing anything that, you know, that caused that. Um, but, I, I, yeah, it's definitely admirable that you were had that real open mind to sort of think of, you know, well, let's look at some other alternatives to this. As you said, you didn't want to remain on um, anti-inflammatory uh, medications um, indefinitely. Um, yeah, so, wow, that's, um, yeah, that's incredible. So I guess just going back a step, though, uh, Roger. That's true. Yeah, that, that's very true. But I also don't know what my diet and lack of exercise was actually doing to it and the mm. shift work 
<laughs> lying around, sitting around, things like that, sitting for extended period. Now, we all know now in hindsight, looking back, that that was a major contributing factor to mm-hmm. the whole thing. So I can now probably speak with authority that the best thing that I ever did was clean up what I was eating, get the movement into the area, and keep pushing and keep pushing and keep going and keep going and keep going. And I think one of the biggest keys is never give up and just keep going and keep going because you do achieve what you want to achieve at the end by just not giving up. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so it's easy to say I didn't I, I didn't realise. I, I didn't realise until you become educated that, yeah. you know, if I look back at all the things that I was doing at that time, yeah, it was very, very detrimental, mm. very detrimental. Mm. All right, so that's, yeah. So what sort of things were they? What sort of things were yeah. that, that I was so, doing? Yeah, that, yeah. so if, yeah, from my, the diet perspective and... My diet was appalling. It was it was a terrible diet. Mm. No education around getting proper nutrients into the system, the, the, the macronutrients and the priorities to give to those macronutrients, mm-hmm. how the importance of the protein to rebuilding and, and uh, for rebuilding in the body as well, um, the carbohydrates, the fats, all of those things. It's so important to get the right quantities, the right amounts into your system to help your body to function properly. Mm-hmm. So important. Uh, keeping the movement going. I was not moving. I was not eating mm-hmm. properly. It was a high sugar, you know, get me through. A lot of caffeine, high sugar, just get you through, get you through, get you through. Go to bed, get up, you know, um, not not do the exercise other than when I was working. It was a struggle, Audrey. It was a real struggle at the time. But I, when I look back, it was diabolical with what it was actually doing to me mm. and how it's changed now. now. Mm. But you were probably just like most of, you know, all of your workmates as well. You're doing the best that you, you know, could at the time. Uh, obviously, you were, you, know, you were married with some young kids and trying to juggle shift work as well. Yes. Um, but, yeah, I would, I would just imagine that your workmates were probably around you were doing the same kind of thing. Everybody, everybody mm. was doing the same thing, and uh, and they were all, you know, especially through my uh, time at the, the as a police dog handler. I think it was seventeen years, and they were brutal shifts. You know, they the uh, seventeen uh, starting at six pm at night, starting at eight pm at night, starting at nine pm at night, um, getting home at four or five o'clock in the morning, mm. showering, going to bed, and then setting an alarm for two or three hours to get up to get kids organised, take children to school. My, my children never spent one minute in childcare before or after school care because I was stupidly pushing myself on an alarm. Oh, don't worry about it. You know, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, I'll sleep when I'm mm. dead. But you don't realise you're actually killing yourself by actually you, – you will end up dead. That's the problem. So these were my problems that I was um, setting alarms to get up instead of allowing my body to sleep and do what it needed to do. It was causing me no end of grief. Um you end up, you know, inflamed. Um, you can't get rid of the fat. You, you know, it, it's just a, a, a never-ending cycle of just causing you grief. You're tired. You're frustrated. You take it out on your partner. It cost me a marriage. It's cost me a lot. You know, it's cost me plenty along the journey as well. Mm. Uh, relationships with people, friends, and things like that it causes you a lot of grief. Mm. That's yeah, and <clears throat> um, I mean that's the thing with the sleep, isn't it? We we kind of um kind of don't sort of appreciate the that real connection between the emotional empathy the less sleep that we have um 
the more more likely we are to say and do things that we wouldn't ordinarily do. Like the research is out there that does show that, but I, I don't think <laughs> most people don't need to sort of necessarily hear the research to kind of know and appreciate that there's definitely that um, that connection and. Um, yeah, no doubt that you would kind of just try and do the best that you could as a young family. But yeah, the going, going home and sleeping and then getting waking yourself up after two to three hours, yeah, that's um, that's definitely not good and, and definitely not going to be sustainable. So, it, but this is kind of good talking about this though, Roger, because I'm sure plenty of our listeners are pot- potentially doing that right now. Um, and so you're kind of years ahead now, <laughs> kind of looking back in hindsight, can sort of well, think, mm, that wasn't necessarily a good idea. If anybody came to me today and said to me, okay, so you've gone through a major weight loss fitness transformation, what, what, what do you think was the key to the whole lot? What do you think was the pinnacle point and what changed the whole lot? I, I, I can tell you quite simply, if all PTs and Instagram influencers and all the people that everyone wants to follow with the hot bodies and the six-pack abs and all the rest of it, the first thing they should be saying is sleep all the way. Get your sleep right. Mm -hmm. If you get your sleep right to start off with, you don't understand. People do not understand the difference that that makes to your system in relation to, you know, your leptin levels, your ghrelin levels. They make huge differences, you know, just to explain to people the leptin, you know, your happy hormones that keeps you satisfied and keeps you up and about. Your ghrelin, if you're tired, you're fatigued, you're not well, your ghrelin levels come up. It's a hormone that, what do you call it? The grumbling tummy? The The growling, um, growly hormone one, um, yeah, the appetite-regulating hormones, yeah. So, you know, even up until a few years ago, I was under what was uh, a statewide well-known coach coaching me to where I wanted to get to. And I was setting an alarm at like 4.30 in the morning to get up to make sure that I'd eat. I'd drive half an hour. I'd go and train brutalize my body for for 45 minutes training then drive another half an hour back go back to sleep i'm stressing a body that was already stressed Mm. ludicrous you know when i look at it in hindsight now it was ludicrous causing me no end of grief Mm. so what changed i focused on my sleep once i started prioritizing my sleep and i focused on a minimum of like seven hours of dark sleep seven hours and getting up when I was ready to get up, when my body said we're ready to get up, and let's face it, I mean, people would lie in bed all day if they could. There's no doubt about it. But <laughs> you know what I mean when I say, you know, get up when you're ready. It's not like an alarm where you're fighting with an alarm to wake up and get up and stressing yourself. I'm talking about I've had seven hours. I'm awake because I'm a person that wakes up, up and off I go. So then I would go, you know, I'd have my seven hours. My gym is non-negotiable. I trained five Five out, you know, five sessions a week for an hour. That's movement. I don't go and brutalise myself. I, it's no point in brutalising yourself in the gym. I go in. It's resistance training, but it's not about how heavy can I be. You know, how heavy can I make it? How tough can I look in front of everybody else? I go to the gym. I turn the weight over. I don't stress my body, and that's made an enormous difference to me as well. A huge difference to me. But sleep was definitely the king in relation to changing things around for me. Mm. Definitely the king, mm. no doubt. Uh, 
music to my ears whenever I yeah, hear I'm... somebody talking about the sleep is the number one thing. And, of course, for shift workers, it's, it is a big thing. But I know uh, that there are, you know, we know that shift work is, is very sleep disruptive and um, leads us to, you know, having a bit less sleep. But then again, you know, when working with people, I've since realised, and you've obviously realised with yourself looking back, that there are definitely plenty of opportunities where you've made it worse, you know, that self-sabotaging, either knowingly or unknowingly at the time. And, and yeah, fantastic that you've sort of put all of that two, to, two and two together. Um, because, yeah, we can't, with your with the conditions that you had before, um, with the, I, I can never pronounce it very well, alkalizing spondylitis, ankylizing, Ankyl- sorry. Spondylitis. <laughs> AS. It's just known as AS. I'm really bad at pronouncing that. Um, yeah. yeah, we can't sort of ignore that, you know, that the, the sleep, disruptive sleep factor and the poor nutrition can be a contributing factor to it. And, um, yeah, and I love now that you're sort of, when you're talking about exercise and, you know, prior before you were talking about stressing an already stressed body, that I uh, please listeners, he, you know, l- take note of that as well, what Roger just mentioned about stressing an already stressed body. We are biologically stressed as a result of working shift work, so we need to be supporting the nervous system and reducing that as best we can. So it's wonderful. So you've definitely made um, lots of changes and doing things that you, you know, weren't doing, say, 20 years ago around, you know, the sleep and nutrition and the movement, uh, which is awesome. So how has your health changed since implementing these? Uh, my health is, is, is absolutely fantastic. Um, I feel amazing. Um, when people say, oh, you're a shift worker, how do you cope with it? Uh, I've structured my shifts around to get myself into a proper routine in relation to, um, even though I'm a shift worker and I work afternoon shifts and I do work night shifts as well and day shifts, so I work them all over. But I try and structure as much as I can to work afternoon shifts to keep myself into a a proper circadian rhythm. Mm. Trying to still work with my biological clock because I honestly believe and I'm testimony to this myself, I honestly believe that, I mean, they do a lot of studies on people and they put them into a night shift mode. I don't think that's, and we've, we've discussed this in the background, I don't think that's the right way to go. Um, it's certainly a way of studying, but I think long-term shift workers are definitely the key that need to be studied. The people that have been doing shift work for such a long time that have set themselves up into a proper routine, like I do afternoon shifts all the time, I'm convinced that my circadian rhythm is working with what I've been doing as a regular routine over a period of time, no doubt. Um, I've got no doubt. I work a 2 p.m. to a 10 p.m. shift. Um, I, I, I get up in the morning. I take myself for a walk, which, you know, um, suppresses the melatonin, which which gets me going, uh, exposes to the blue light. I get the sunlight. No one feels terrible after half an hour walking the sunshine. <laughs> and, so, you know, no one feels bad after that. I'll then go to the gym. I'll do my hour in the gym, I come home, I do my meal preps, I prepare properly. No, I don't eat broccoli and rice. I eat good food. I eat my, make sure I get my salad so I'm getting all my micronutrients, getting all the colours in, doing all of those sort of things. And, you know, I, I feel good. People say that I look good for my age um, and, um, and, and I move around and I've got a lot of energy. I keep going, no problems. And there's no doubt that my, my routine is certainly helping me with that. If I'm on night shift, Audra, I, I don't go and do five sessions a week in the gym. I drop it back and I do two or three or maybe four list sessions in the gym, mm. half an hour. Just just list sessions, just sitting on a bike and just turning the pedals, not pushing myself until I'm sweating and it's pouring off me, 
just sitting on a bike and just turning because people underestimate loose training. It's it's it, it, it mobilizes the fat, oxidizes the fat, burns the fat out of your system, and you can just literally just sit there and just pedal away. You can listen to the healthy um, shift workers podcast, <laughs> you can, and, and you know, um, and, and you can listen to those, and you know, you can just pedal away and then get off the bike, and you haven't put your body under any stress at all because mm. you're not pedaling. That's sixty five percent heart rate. Just enjoying it, just keeping it moving, um, and, and it works really, really well. Great, uh, it, it's worked really well. Can I interrupt just for a second there, Roger? Yes. Just for our listeners, for um, what is LIS training? What is it? LIS, LIS is low intensity, steady state training. Mm-hmm. It's actually you can do it on a bike. You can do it on um, uh, walking's a bit harder. Um, running, you wouldn't do it running. It's getting your heart rate to sixty five percent. Um, of your maximum heart rate. So your heart rate is 220 less your age. That's your maximum heart rate. And if you then multiply that by 0.65, that will give you 65% of your heart rate. Yep. So what you would then do is you would then just pedal, get on a, on a uh, exercise bike and just pedal until you get your heart rate to around that 65% and just stay at that rate for about half an hour. And, and what you're doing then is you're just, it's what they call low intensity, steady state. So you're still getting the exercise. Yeah. You're still burning all the toxins out of your system, mm. but you are still oxidizing or mobilizing and oxidizing and burning the fat in your system, you know, um, and, and you're feeling wonderful. You get off the bike or you get off the treadmill. Like once again, you can put the incline on a treadmill to that and just walk, get your heart rate up to that level and control it at that level and keep going for half an hour is more than enough on night shift for a stressed body just to do that three or four times a week that in, I reckon that made one of the biggest difference to my health and fitness one of the biggest difference my, my list sessions night shift uh, just doing th- three or four mornings or nights of just doing the list waking up going to the gym getting on the exercise bike 30 minutes 65% heart rate coming back home again eating back to bed and the nap before going back to work, vital. Mm. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm yeah, I'm so I'm so glad that you know that you're sharing this with us, and you know that our listeners can actually hear you know some of the strategies that you've been you know implementing. And yes, you're 55 years young, so it's never too late. Oh, <laughs> to, right, right. To, yeah, yeah. So what's your excuse? What's everybody's excuses out there if yeah, they're not doing something? Exactly, exactly. And oh, just, honestly, Audra, there is yeah. no excuse for people not mm. to put strategies in place. Like, you know, my, my, my health's improved dramatically since I've put strategies in place. I'm pain-free. I sleep. You know, I'm no longer inflamed, like mm. as in cortisol inflamed and carrying excess mm. body fat. You know, I've not had a sniffle or a cold in the last two years at all, right? I just don't get ill. I just don't. Touch wood. Here I am banging the table <laughs> touching wood. But oh, honestly... Once you get your, your nutrition right, and I'm not talking about eating broccoli and, and um, drinking protein whey shakes and, um, uh, you know, and, and broccoli and, and, and chicken and rice and uh, I eat good food. People that know me know that I eat and eat well, mm. um, I, but I just don't get ill because of the strategies that I've put in place. I've got no doubt about it. Mm. And, yeah, and I think too the also key too is that you're not stressing too much about the nutrition either because I think that's also an important 
part because we can, and again, that comes back down to if you're sort of focusing just on one thing though too, um, you could sort of become obsessed about it. But we kind of need to relax a little bit about it, um, you know, as well. As you said, it's just coming back to eating more whole foods, um, you know, not, not sort of being sort of too, um, yeah, too sort of obsessed about, yeah, drinking bucket loads of broccoli juice and stuff like that. It's oh, having that. So, so- you're having your celery juice and, and your, your fat-burning tea. Yeah, exactly. Know, and, and pre, pre-workouts and things. Honestly, exactly. a load of rubbish. Audrey, you know that as exactly. well as I do, you know. It, it all comes down to getting your – getting you know, people that want to lose weight, it's about finding what your your um, total daily energy expenditure is and just putting yourself in a deficit. But by eating, go by eye. You can you can eat by eye and you can eat well. All you got to do is – Load up with vegetables, load up with vegetables, all the colours. Try and challenge yourself. 20 vegetables a week, then challenge yourself. 24 vegetables a week, over, spread over the meals. Make sure that your protein is up. Protein mm. keeps us feeling full. Mm. It also burns calories burning it, mm. you know, uh, processing it. So keep everything really well. Do you need to be carb-free? Absolutely not. You know, if you want to be carb-free, by all means. If you don't want to be, carb- if you don't want to be carb-free, carbs don't make you fat. It's the overeating calories that makes you fat. So, you know, just what we need to do is is, is um, just eat properly and keep moving. Um, mm. And 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 but the, the under the umbrella of just sleeping properly because of the restorative qualities that the sleep has for us, mm. it is unbel- It's made such a difference. Yeah, we, it just sets you up, doesn't it? Then you can more likely Absolutely. to take care of your nutrition and 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 so forth. All right, so kind of leads me just to our last question that I wanted to um, talk to you about, Roger, is because I know I want to talk to you about this because it's not spoken in most health and wellbeing, um, I guess, lectures and courses, and that's mindset. And it's actually why I, even myself, put in a particular mindset module in my Better Sleep course because I've found that everything kind of comes back to that mindset. How much of a factor has that been in your journey from becoming an unhealthy shift worker to one that is now healthy? Mindset, mindset is where you you rule the line underneath mindset, and it's a topic in itself. Mm-hmm. You have to, you, you you honestly have to put yourself in a in a mindset to move forward because you've you've got to say where do you want to get to. Where do you want to get to? How are you going to get there? You need to work out how you're going to go. So if I was to look back at where I started in my fitness journey myself and I look at everything that I've put in place now, if someone comes to me and said to me, Rog, what do you do? And I listed everything that I do every single day now, it would be so overwhelming for another person. Yeah. They would go, what? Yeah. Are you? So what I look at is – Put one strategy in place. First step, get on top of your sleep. Get your sleep right. Master it. Make sure that you're getting your minimum seven hours a night, minimum, and and solid sleep. Good sleep. Track it. I wear a, um, an aura ring, um, which I, I've found fantastic. Now, it doesn't help you to sleep, right? It's not, it's not a ring that you put on and it makes you sleep. It doesn't. <laughs> but what it is, it's a ring that you track and you look at it every day and you begin to challenge yourself to sleep, go to bed earlier. It tells you you need to go to bed earlier. You need to sleep longer. You're not getting enough REM sleep. You're not getting enough deep sleep. And I found that the the ring, the sleep ring, it's not obtrusive. It's something that you can put on and you start looking at your sleep stats and how you can work on getting your sleep right. 
Because once the sleep's right, your nutrition starts to fall into place. Yep. Because, yep. and then you once your nutrition starts to fall into place, then you want to exercise. You want to get out and you want to walk. And you want, once your sleep's right, you then learn that you need to wake your body up. So get out in the sunlight. Get that blue light exposure. You know. So start start walking out in the sunshine. We we talk about this. You know. Mm. And then so mindset and never ever ever give up keep going because the only way you fail is when you give up mm-hmm. so if you keep moving forward and keep going and and keep focused, yeah you're going to make mistakes there's no doubt about it you will make mistakes along your journey but learn from them work around them don't give up keep going and keep moving forward and put the next strategy in place and keep moving forward but i prioritize my health now um audra it's that important mm-hmm. to me i'm 55 I'm in, I'm in fairly good shape. I'm fairly, I'm healthy. I'm healthy in many aspects, psychologically healthy, um, pain-free, um, financially healthy. I'm in healthy in every way. You know, at, at um, the uni that I'm studying nutrition at at the moment, they, you know, they work on the six mantras of health, and the, it's not just about oh he's got a six pack he's healthy, because people that are running around with six packs generally are not healthy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah uh yeah sorry you go yeah so i've developed such a passion for my um for nutrition and my health and what i'm doing that what i want to do is i'm now going back to school and i've i've committed myself to study for the next 12 months and i've gone back to become an evidence-based certified nutritionist and i'm studying with my i'm truly humbled to have been offered one in 400 places at Martin McDonald's Mac Nutrition Uni, um, and I'm learning so much about nutrition myself. And at the end of that, I then want to be, I just want to follow the master order. There you go. Um, you're the one that's blazing a trail in relation to this, in relation to nutrition and helping shift workers. And this is how we cross paths because I saw that there was a niche for it as well. So therefore, that's what I want to do. I want to go down that line because it's you can't say we don't shift work is bad, don't do it. Oh, well, you can say it. But the problem is, is when you pick up the phone at 2 o'clock in the morning because your house is on fire, you need someone there to come. You can't turn around and say, well, we can't do shift work because it's not good for us. Yeah. You know, you need shift workers have got to be there. Shift workers are the ones that are processing your ticket at the airport. They're the ones that are putting you through customs. They're the the, the, air, the flight attendants that are looking after you on the plane and the pilots. And, you know, they're, they're the process workers in factories that are making sure that your bread's on the, there, the milk's there, and everything's there for you. We have to have shift workers. So let's educate people on the best possible way of dealing with it and coping with it so that we can do it as healthily as we can possibly do it. We know it's carcinogenic. We know it's bad for us, but we can work with it. So let's do that. Mm. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Gold with what you were just um, sharing there, uh, Roger, and that's for sure. And yeah, you've, as you said, we cross paths because we have this similar interest and passion. And, and I love, love connecting with people that have that similar passion and connection because the more of us out there, you know, creating that more education and awareness, the more we can have that ripple effect to be able to help, uh, you know, more and more um, people. So um, yeah, gold. And I've just, I've just written what um, down at the bottom of my piece of paper here where you mentioned earlier, I prioritise my health and I've just put a big circle around it Um, because if if anyone's to kind of take away anything from this conversation that we've just had is please take away. I mean, Roger's just shared some amazing stuff with us, but 
to sort of finish it off by him saying that, you know, I prioritise my health, there is your biggest, biggest clue when it comes to, um, you know, becoming that, uh, you know, a healthy shift worker because it has to be that way. And, and, you know, we do, we live in this very crazy, busy lives. We have a lot of different commitments and everything, but, you know, we we only get this one earth suit. We only get one chance to kind of take a uh, look after it. So we do need to um, prioritise it. So, yeah, well, look, thank you, uh, Roger, so much for um, sharing your journey. It's definitely been an amazing one. It's been really interesting. Um, as you said, you know, we, we've kind of crossed paths and we met, you know, in the flesh for the first time uh, a few months ago, which was wonderful um, to kind of meet you in person. But, um, yeah, I I guess before we sign off, um, if people are wanting to kind of um, connect with you, Roger, and, and sort of um, follow what you're, what you're doing um, so that they can also get some more tips and advice, um, along your journey? Yeah, well, obviously, um, I rarely use Facebook myself, but I, um, I I am on Instagram and I have yep. my own Instagram account, which Great. is uh, people can find me at Roger, R-O-G-E-R, underscore sub, S-U-T-H. So people can find me there. Uh, I've, I have reserved a business um, Instagram account as well. Um, but I'm not putting a lot of content on there at the moment. I'm trying to focus on this nutrition course, which is taking an awful lot of time. Mm. But you can find me there at, at, at A, the letter A, underscore healthy, underscore shift, a healthy shift. So, right. And that's my going to be my goal, to help shift workers with healthy choices. It'll be fitness-related. It'll be shift-related. Um, it'll be a healthy shift in mindset, mm. which is – Changing the mindset, which is what I want to be able to change people to do, to to just change. Don't, don't think, oh, I can deal with this sleep thing later on. Don't think, oh, I can deal with this health thing later on because it's 10 times harder yeah. and it's a really, it's a horrible journey to try and go down, um, to try and fight your way back from it when you could be in an awful lot of trouble internally health-wise. Yeah. Do it now. Do it right now. Yeah. Exactly. Brilliant. Prevention is always better than cure. That's, um, yes. that is for sure. Yeah. So yeah, brilliant. Do it right now. Great advice. All right. Well, thank you yeah. so much, uh, Roger. I'll make sure to, um, put those Instagram accounts, uh, in the show notes so people can, um, reach out and stay, um, connected with you. That would be awesome. But yeah, thank you, um, so much for taking the time to chat with me this morning. I know I've learned a lot and <laughs> learned a lot about more about what you're doing and your background. It's definitely been fascinating and, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you, Audra. I really appreciate having the opportunity and you invited me to appear on the podcast. Thank you. You're most welcome. Well, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please feel free to share it with other shift workers you think may benefit, as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organizations all around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be, despite working 24-7. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.